Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Welcome into the 615 Sessions podcast on this Wednesday afternoon. Hope everybody's feeling right, living well. We got Teresa Walker, the Associated Press, in the house today. We're very grateful to have T as always. We're going to talk about all the roster releases at this point. Taylor Lewan, Robert Woods, Randy Bullock, all out. Before, By the way, hello, Teresa. I haven't seen you since the season ended. Lovely to see you. Lovely to see you, too, because uh, I know it feels like in a way that it was just yesterday that the season ended. And yet, uh, you know, they, they've done so much already. You know, the new GM, the, the coaching staff has been switched up and, and changed up pretty drastically, rather, at least on the offensive side of the ball. And, uh, you know, I was at the Predators game last night and Rand Carthon was there and had his, uh, you know, Predators jersey with his name on the back, a little flex there. Uh, and then today uh, he got to business. So, uh, it, it, you know, let, let's put it this way. We were expecting some of these moves. I mean, shoot, Taylor Lewan's been telegraphing, you know, his release for 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 months. Um, so that wasn't unexpected. But uh, the other two, uh, I'll say this: they he's moved swiftly. I'll say that. Yes, uh, and we're going to talk about those moves. A quick reminder that the six one five sessions podcast is made possible by Two Rivers Ford. Two Rivers Ford in Mount Juliet. They always sell all new non specialty Ford vehicles below MSRP. Go to Two Rivers Ford to get your new vehicle, quality American-made Ford vehicles, and the non-commissioned sales staff that you will love. Two Rivers Ford in Mount Juliet or online at tworiversford.com. So, yeah, he got right to work, T. And it's been a, a situation that, you know, we all, we've all we all had our uh, our uh, these names circled for quite some time. Maybe Randy Bullock wasn't necessarily being discussed as one of the primary four, but Robert Woods and Taylor Lewan certainly um, two that were at the top of the, you know, eventual chopping block. And nobody made more sense than Taylor, I felt. Now, as you mentioned, he's been telegraphing this for some time, but you were here at the start of his career. You were here, uh, I mean, you've been here through it all, Teresa, but at least through his career with the Titans, nine seasons going back to 2014, kind of for the audience who will remember, set the scene of what the franchise was like at the time. And how big a part he was of kind of the turnaround that gave us this next iteration of Titans football that seems to be now coming to a close. Well, he, massive piece. Now we got to remember he was the 11th pick overall in 2014 and he came in at a time, you know, Ken Wisenhunt was a uh, head coach and had, you know, it was, it was not a pretty period. I mean, those first two seasons, you know, five and 27, 
And, you know, he, he, he stepped into the shoes of a, a grand tradition at left tackle for this franchise. Uh, you know, it included Brad Hopkins, Michael Ruse. And then, now, and then suddenly you had the transition to Taylor Lewan. And, you know, unfortunately, they didn't have the quarterback situation set. Uh, and, and that was a big piece. But, you know, he was he, he understood from the very beginning that, you know, that what the, this franchise could be again with some more pieces. And, and he understood that he was a, build, a big building block of that. I mean, shoot, when, when, when Amy Adams Strunk fired Ken Wisenhunt, his first coach, and named Mike Malarkey uh, as the new uh, interim, one of the first things Mike Malarkey did was take the captaincy away from Taylor, you know, because he wanted him to focus on playing on the field. And, you know, maybe not taught quite as much as Taylor tends to at times. But, uh, you know, Taylor to one, physical, athletic, and a very key piece of getting this franchise from five and 27 to a, you know, let's face it, a, you know, back to the playoffs, a playoff contender and, and, and a two-time and could have, should have been a three-time division champ, something this franchise had not done since the very first three years of its existence in the original AFL. So, I mean, he was absolutely a massive piece for this team. And, you know, dad, whatever you want him, call him. You know, he, he certainly has made his imprint on – I, I, I know that's a phrase I don't like to use and I almost want to slap myself, but sorry, sorry Taylor. But, I mean, the, you know, he – he took a leadership part for this team and was a very big piece of the offense and in the community. And, you know, for a franchise that, you know, went a few years, they're kind of wandering in the desert and he helped get them back to where they put butts in the seats in the stands. Yeah. And, you know, beyond that, he was considered prior to the PED suspension um, and really in that season afterwards, because they were so successful once he got back out on the field and, once he and Roger Saffold kind of got on the same page, I mean, he was considered at the top of his profession for quite some time. And then obviously the health uh, situation has kind of come about the way that it has. And he's missed a tremendous amount of time or did miss a tremendous amount of time on his second contract, the five-year $80 million deal that uh, John Robinson signed him to after his rookie contract expired. How's he going to be remembered here though, Teresa? Like that, I guess, is my question about like, you know, how you, how you regard, and not that he's, not that he's officially retired from the NFL. We'll see if he ends up playing football again. I don't know. He may not want to at this point. In fact, we're going to play a clip from the radio show a little later that may indicate that he's not interested in playing football beyond his Tennessee Titans tenure. But how do you think fans are going to remember him here in Tennessee? Well, I'll say this. I, I can see recency bias jumping in. You know, some fans are like, oh, Hall of Fame, you know, one of the best ever. Uh, no, 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 I'm sorry. No. Uh, Brad Hopkins is somebody who's, you know, he ranked among, you know, in the nineties, you know, during his career, when he retired among the top tackles in the entire NFL, Taylor was a three-time pro bowler. Uh, now he was a key piece of this offense, key piece of this team, but you know, let, let's be honest. There, there are some offensive linemen that, you know, that's not something that he's ever, I, I can't ever see him being truly even a, making one of the candidate lists for uh, just simply because, you know, as good as he was, he was good for a short time with this team being good. And that, that you know, that has to, you know, you need to have that window be longer. You know, Michael Roos had a bigger window. I mean, he helped block for a 2,000-yard rusher uh, and, you know, as well. So uh, it, it's one of those things where, 
you know, very, very good for this franchise. But in the time that I've covered this team, in the time that this team has been in Tennessee, I would put him in third among left tackles with Brad Hopkins first, Michael Roos second, and then Taylor is third. But that's still pretty good company to be in considering. Indeed. We have more breaking news, which is going to be the case as we do the podcast today with Teresa Walker of the Associated Press at T. Walker. Uh, Wait, T. Walker what? What am I leaving off? Teresa M. Walker on Twitter. At Teresa M. Walker. Okay, I don't know why I screwed that up. Either way, sorry, Teresa. Zach Cunningham just got cut. Um, According to Tom Pelissero of of the NFL Network, that's about just under $9 million in savings that they will uh, get back with the release of a guy who was outplayed by Dylan Cole, it feels like, um, after he was dealing with, uh, after Cunningham was dealing with the elbow injury. Oh, that's what made, um, I'll say this. I covered Zach Cunningham in college. When they got him off waivers in December a year ago, I, I, I thought, oh, this is a good move. And when they, you know, it's like that, take that contract, bring him here. You know, he should be a good addition to this defense. But when that elbow, it just, he never seemed to fit here. It, it, you know, before he even got the elbow injury, it just, it, there was just something that seemed to be missing you know, I remember the play that he made for uh, for Vanderbilt against Auburn where he leapt over the line to block a kick. And that was the linebacker I was expecting to see. Never saw that here with the Titans. And, yes, uh, at the end of the season when, when Cunningham was kind of getting his way back, Dylan Cole was the better option at linebacker. Right. So this, is, this goes under the category of another move that, you know, what should have been expected if you were watching and paying close attention at all. Yeah, um, and that can be the same set of Robert Woods. Now, I was I was a little, I was kind of back and forth on Woods, as I kind of am Dupree, Teresa, which um, we'll see what happens with Bud uh, at this point, the outside linebacker. But Robert Woods was among the names officially released by the team today. Lawan Bullock and Cun- uh, excuse me, Lawan Bullock and Woods all made official by the team. No word from the uh, Titans on Cunningham just yet, but that is the report right now. I could have, I thought that. Robert Woods would have been a potential restructure candidate. He's 31 years old, um, and they still do need depth as far as wide receiver is concerned. I know that things went to hell uh, as soon as Burks basically was out of the lineup and they never got anything from Kyle Phillips. But I thought that to the idea of bringing his cap hit down where we, he was set to count about $14 million, if they could restructure and kind of keep him as a veteran presence, it seemed to make as much sense to me as going out and exploring some you know, lateral options, for lack of a better term, on the free agent market, because the free agent wide receivers this year are nothing special. It's Juju Smith-Schuster, it's McCole Hardman, and then it's a bunch of functional role player guys. So if you're going to spend that kind of money on, you know, let's say five to seven million dollars on a veteran just kind of placeholder, couldn't that placeholder continue to be Robert Woods as you address wide receiver through the draft and hope that Kyle Phillips and Traylon Burks can make some steps? But ultimately, that's not what they decided to do. Well, and looking at how Robert Woods responded, you know, tweeting out free and where should I look next? It it seems like he kind of, you know, he may not have been open to doing a restructure of his deal, you know, and, and he ended up because of the, you know, he was originally brought in, I, you know, to, to be maybe the number two guy, he ends up leading the team in catches and receptions. 
and, and, and yards receiving. And, and that wasn't really the role that, you know, he, he, he was brought in to be. I mean, we all thought he'd be the, the number two to A.J. Brown. And then that whole draft night trade situation goes down and Traylon Burks ends up missing a, a chunk of time with his injury. And I mean, it just, and, and then the, you know, the other, you know, six games as a rookie, that's just a big chunk of time. There, there just seemed to be too much on Robert Woods. For, and, and I, you know, the, the challenge now is making sure with the way the wide receiver market got reset last year that you can go find somebody at a decent price this offseason. It's not going to be easy, but I'm going to go back to this. What did Mike Rabel has? He's made very clear a couple of times this year. This team has to get faster. And for all the knowledge that Bobby Woods brings to, you know, to the, you know, to this team, the, they need somebody who's faster. And there were times where it just felt like as much as he helped on the field, it, it felt like there was something missing there as well last year. So, you know, this offense wasn't that great. And it felt like he was somebody who could have helped it be better at times and, and missed opportunities to do that. So uh, it, guess what? They're, make, they're sending a pretty clear message. We want to get better. And, you know, looking at how, you know, Trevor Lawrence and the Jaguars performed, looking at the high draft picks the Colts and the Texans have, uh, you know, the Titans are, are making it clear that they're not, they're not content with sit, sitting still and they're, they're making some changes on this roster pretty quickly. Yeah. I mean, that, that was definitely a quote from Mike Vrabel's uh, locker room clean out day press conference that stood out about the need for just generally they the need for speed and uh, generally them not being or rarely being the fastest team on the field uh, in competition, but that's never been really them. Like AJ wasn't a burner, even when he was on this roster. Now he made up for a lot with the ability to break tackles and get yards after the catch yards after contact. And we're probably going to talk a little bit about AJ for the end of the show, given uh, his recent comments in uh, on other platforms this week. But I guess, now, as we talk about this team and where it is and what moves may come down, Teresa, there's no question that they're going to explore a more organic retooling to this thing, given what, uh, how many, how how many their needs are at this point, and how little still available cap space they have to work with. Because even with uh, the most recent cut, reportedly of Zach Cunningham, that still only gets them to about $12 million in the bank. Well, and that's the thing. There's there's a lot more moves left on the table. I mean, you know, uh, offensive line remains at the top of my list. Uh, wide receiver is second. Uh, at linebacker, I mean, you, you want speed. They can be faster at the linebacker position. And I'm not just talking outside linebacker. You know, uh, Zach was inside. And, you know, as, as, as much as Dylan Cole was a filling guy, he's essentially a special teams player. And they've got to get faster there uh, because look at who you're covering. I mean, you know, if, if Jacksonville brings back Evan Ingram, you've got to have somebody who can try to keep up with that guy, you know, who just finds wide open spaces, you know, very similar to Travis Kelsey. So uh, there's a lot of areas that they need to be faster in. So uh, my biggest, you know, thing I'm watching for is do they, you know, for so many people wanting to move on at quarterback, you know, it, it seemed to me the easiest thing would be to restructure Ryan Tannehill and, and get yourself some space there, 
you know, it's kind of like looking for, you know, some money under the couch cushions, you, you know, redo him, maybe give Derrick Henry another year. Uh, Kevin Byard's a contract that you could look at redoing and you could create more space there. Um, but, you know, that's the thing they've got. They, they, these are just the tip of the moves that they have to make to free up and give them the freedom that Rand Carthon and, 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 and Mike Vrabel need to, to redo this roster. And I was talking to, uh, Today, by the way, if you're just now tuning in, welcome into the uh, 615 Sessions podcast. Teresa Walker of the Associated Press is our guest. We're talking about the roster cuts, and they continue to come down the the line right now. I was talking, uh, I, was, I was doing the radio show today, literally an hour ago, Teresa, and I got a call about, you know, asking me what what should Titans fans expect from their team in the next five years, um, and. You know, I had no way to answer that because, like, I uh, I answered it. Well, I did answer it in by saying I have no idea what to expect from them. I don't know who's going to be quarterbacking them in 2023, and I don't know if the guy that's currently under contract for them right now is going to be here beyond 2023. You bring up the idea of restructuring Tannehill and uh, and Henry as, as a means to kind of keep the things that you know work well enough to kind of build around in place. And, you know, $36 million cap hit for a quarterback – even if they didn't bring it down, it's still pretty reasonable given what the rest of the marketplace looks like at this point. And the guys are getting ready to get paid. But I just, I, I don't know what my expectations are for the Titans in 2023, just because there's so much still unknown. And we are just starting to get to the parts where you're seeing this thing take shape in the sense of tearing it down before they can legitimately build it back up. Well, and and the thing is, we don't, this is Rand Carthon's first time as a GM. So there's no track record to work with, with from him. And I'm going to point back to what John Robinson did in his first big move as GM. The Tennessee Titans had the number one draft pick overall. And he traded that in a surprise stunner a couple of weeks before the draft to get picks uh, to, you know, and that first draft class was amazing. I mean, he got Jack Conklin at right tackle and all pro his rookie season. Derrick Henry was their third pick in the second round. Uh, you know, they had Kevin Byard, the th- first pick of the third round, a two-time all pro safety who has now led the team in interceptions and tackles each of these last two seasons. So, you know, does Rand make a bold move and, you know, try to trade away Ryan Tannehill, Derrick Henry, and, you know, and, and get draft picks to give him capital to move up from number 11 to try to maybe get a t- get ahead of, you know, the Texans or do something, you know, crazy like that. I mean, we don't know at this point. You know, we can get, we can guesstimate, we can think what, you know, could he do, but until we actually see, we, you know, we don't know. And that's the thing. Does he does he go bold? Does he try to retool? Is it, you know, trying to, you know, maybe do a pit stop while the car, you know, during the race, so to speak, uh, you know, rebuild on the fly. The one thing I will point to uh, somebody I saw it on Twitter last night that how many games under Mike Vrabel have the Tennessee Titans been in playoff comp, you know, competitive position? Eighty two. So essentially every game that he's been head coach. So that to me indicates that, you know, that whatever it takes, whatever the forms they, you know, whatever moves they wind up making in this offseason, they'll find a way to be competitive. Uh, you know, this is the AFC that while it's been down these last couple of years, you know, the Texans, the Jaguars, the Colts, uh, you know, the musical chairs that has been the coach in Houston, the quarterback at Indianapolis, you know, they seem to be settling down. But this is a division that has, you know, 
has found a way, you know, there was two, three years straight where they sent two teams to the uh, playoffs, uh, you know, I think three straight years. So guess what? Uh, I, you know, with the track record that Mike Vrabel has, having been the, you know, this, he took the team that had the most injuries, played the most players in a non-strike season ever to the AFC's number one seed in 21. So I'm not going to bet against them for sure in, in finding a way to make this a as quick and painless a rebuild as possible. You think they should consider trading Derek, Teresa? Well, I'm you know, like that- it's, it's, it seems insane, but like the guy's got a $16 million cap it. You brought up restructure. It's entirely possible that they keep that dude around for a couple of years. But like, if we're talking about like how much legwork they actually have to do and you know, the sample size of Derek being still highly capable at this stage of his career, and it's not really mattering down the stretch to be completely honest with you, though, I don't think that's any fault of his. Should there be, should the option at least be in discussion to move this guy, even as you understand that's going to be a tough contract to move and that running backs are not uh, of high value? Is the juice worth the squeeze essentially on a Derrick Henry trade? It's a great question. And I think that the Titans have to be having that conversation. I mean, you have Tim Kelly now as the new offensive coordinator, and I know the Titan fans aren't excited because the move didn't happen a year ago, and you know, there's now that Todd Downing taint around uh, Tim Kelly, but we don't know. And I thought, you know, I thought Eddie George would finish his career with the Tennessee Titans. I thought Chris Johnson would do the same thing. Uh, you know, so he is in that, and and I do think that Derrick Henry has more, you know, a lot more tread left on his tires because of the fact that, you know, his big year at Alabama was his Heisman year. Uh, He started, you know, he had to wait essentially two seasons behind DeMarco Murray here with the Titans to get started as the running back. So, uh, you know, you know, as much as he's carried the ball the last three years, you know, I, I think that he can be productive. He was second in the league this year behind a offensive line that was not good. And he was second in the league in rushing. And yet the Titans went seven and 10 and the year before when he missed the final nine games and you, you had Ryan Tannehill starting, you know, one of the two starters on, on offense to start every game that season, they managed to win 12 games and get number one seed. So, you know, you could look at that and say, you know what, Derek is a really, really great running back. I think he's a guy who has the potential to be in Canton one day soon, but the problem is, you know, how do you work the pieces around him? And that's that's what they also have. You know, that's a big part of that puzzle. You know, if you've got the right pieces around Derrick Henry, uh, you know, he can be incredibly effective. Uh, he, he had his, his best career as a receiver this year. Uh, and yet we also saw him put some balls on the ground. Uh, you know, for the first time truly in his career. So it's a conversation that has to be had. I'm really glad I'm not the one that has to make that decision. Oh God, no, no, not, not when you're, you're trying to pitch, Hey, we're still going to be a football team and then try and sell tickets. And, you know, theoretically with the Derrick Henry thing looming, they need some kind of star attraction right now. And respectfully to Jeff Simmons, it can't be the case. Um, GK asks on YouTube, Buck, can you repeat how much they knew or how much, they just freed up because I think you are way off. These two key releases are huge, freeing up $26 million, and now just a Tannehill trade away from totaling 40 I had said that they are now $12 million 
free uh, available cap space. The reason why I said that they had only freed up that much is because they were $26 million and change in the hole against this year's salary cap. So forgive me if I did not make that clear for the audience who is watching today. Uh, we are going to, uh, Denise says, how can I follow Teresa? What do you mean? You can follow Teresa at, I, I'm offended for you, Teresa. You At Teresa M. Walker, I'm not going to be the one that screws it up today. Uh, I'll just say, please follow me immediately, Denise, and thank you. Uh, but yes, uh, that's that's the thing about working for the Associated Press. Sometimes, you know, I, I as much as I try to pump my Twitter handle, uh, you know, and, I, and it's now added on my stories, you know, go go download the free AP News app and you can you, you, you know, look for Tennessee and you'll find all my copies. So there she you is. Follow me there as well. And it's not just uh, it's not just the Titans. It's the Grizzlies. It's the Preds. It's the Vols, it's everything. Teresa Walker does it all. She's a Hall of Famer, says Josh Doris. Don't disrespect. That's exactly right. You are 1,000% accurate there. Uh, Teresa, <laughs> literally a jersey. That's such a – I got the things I, – I would be awful. I would be unbearable if I had something like that behind my head all the time, Teresa. I can't, I can't ever make any Hall of Fame. Otherwise, I will be insufferable as a human being. Uh, Buck, I'm in that territory. Trust me. My husband jokes that it's a good thing we have a garage door that I can come in to the house through because, uh, yeah, there's times where I ha my ego gets tamped down a little bit. But, uh, yeah, that that was pretty nice. So, yeah, I I, I, I could point over my shoulder to the uh, uh, UT Journalism and Electronic Media Alum of the Year Award from 2020. But, uh, mm. yeah, I don't want to flex too much. I don't think I have any awards. It's very, it's making me very sad. All I have a picture of. All right. <laughs> all right. For the audio only audience, Teresa Walker is flexing her entire office uh, that is decorated. I mean, it's a sports fan's dream, the place that you're doing the show from right now. Uh, Teresa is here with us. We're talking about the roster cuts. Quick reminder that the primetime show is made possible by Superbook Sports. Download the Superbook app today. Go to superbook.com. For terms and conditions, the best odds boost and promo bets can always be found at Superbook Sports. Uh, they will get you in on the action. They'll match your first bet up to $1,000, as I mentioned. Terms and conditions at Superbook.com. Gambling problem? Call the Tennessee Red Line, 1-800-889-9789. All right, Teresa. Uh, I had Lawan on the radio show on Friday. Uh, Friday of Super Bowl week because he was out there on Radio Row. Did you go Super Bowl this year, by the way? I did not. And uh, yes, it's uh, I went last year and I went to uh, in 2020 and worked remotely to help with the one in Tampa Bay. But uh, so, yeah, I didn't go this year and that was OK. I, I've, I've dealt with it. Let's put it this way. I needed the week to rest up a little bit been dealing with a couple of health things so I didn't mind too much but uh yeah I, I do like being out there uh, I've got the I was wanting to go to Phoenix I'll, I'll say that yeah Phoenix in February is not a bad idea either way Lawan was out there doing your and my job for us apparently as uh, he becomes media in his next phase I want you to hear this clip Teresa and then I want to I want I want to talk about whether we think he's going to play football again in 2023 do what we got to do and so I just, you know, proof's in the pudding, buddy. Work ethic it means everything. Work ethic means everything. Hey, by the way, 200 by Super Bowl, it's a real thing. It's going to happen. What What do I, 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 I feel like I should get something from you for. You know what? That's entirely the wrong clip. That's me talking about making weight. I don't have the Super Bowl, uh, the, the, the right clip up here. Excellent editorial work by me. Either way, basically he was saying that he was networking with networks 
out there, Teresa. I think he's I think he's entirely plausible to go into just media after this and not play football somewhere else. I completely agree. Uh, I, I saw Paul Faharsky tweet that, you know, that, you know, maybe the Titans and Luan might be open to bringing him back, you know, once they see what their situation is at a much lower price. Uh, he's played 20 games combined over the last three years. He tore the same ACL in the same knee. And he talked to us last June about how tough 21 was for him. Yes, he played. Uh, and he was on the field, but that it was a mental grind, getting his body ready and getting ready for game day every single week. And it just felt like, you know, you know, if he could have stayed healthy last year, then I think he plays this year. But the fact that he tore the ACL in September, uh, you know, he is, you know, you know, he can joke an awful lot and come off as somebody who is maybe a goofy guy, but he's also a very smart man. And you, you mentioned that grind. It is a grind for people who don't get it. The NFL, it's yes, it's the off season, but you know, check out Derrick Henry's Instagram feed sometimes. Okay. He, you know, you have to be working out at this time of the year. You have to be ready when the off season program starts in late April, you have to be ready when training camp comes and it's, and then once the season starts, it's they're technically off on Tuesdays. Sometimes they get a victory Monday, but you're still getting treatment. You're still coming in to watch film. You're still doing things. You're working every single day for six months. And I don't think people get what kind of a physical mental grind that that is. I mean, we're exhausted when the football season ends and we're not on the field dealing with the car crashes that have to put up with. So uh, I and, and he is a good talker. You know, I mean, when he talks and he gets going, I can easily see him segueing into uh, into into media. I mean, the Bustin' with the Boys podcast has been a really great, you know, I don't want to say training ground because it's it's a good, you know, it's a good podcast. And, it's you know, they certainly have gotten, you know, grown pretty well since they got started from where they were. But, uh, you know, I mean, you know, I'll give him credit for that. But, you know, he he absolutely can have a future in media should he want it. Yeah, I uh, I don't I mean, they were they were kind of some of the first to get out there. Now, Russell Wilson has a podcast and Von Miller has a podcast and Kirk Cousins has a podcast because companies are just going to throw money at athletes that way. Um, to utilize whatever audience because podcasts is it's such a such a scattered medium anyway. Um, and to be able to have guys with automatic platforms and audit automatic audiences that way is a value to these companies. And it would be foolish for more people to not take advantage of it. John uh Bonsky says, get him on A to Z. I have plenty of Taylor Lewan in my life without inviting him into my work life. I don't need more of him. In fact, all this means is I'm probably going to see even more of Taylor. Now that he's got shit else to do, to be honest with you, uh, Teresa, I don't think anybody needs that. Taylor's not going. He, that's the thing. He, he is not going to be going away. Uh, whatever format it is, I, I, I can agree with you completely there. He will be sticking around in some fashion. Yeah. It'll be like the, the ghost you can't exercise. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Literally an exorcism. To get, it would take an exorcism to get rid of Taylor Lewan. Uh, speaking of athletes doing media, Teresa, we'll wrap up with this one. A.J. Brown just you know, continuing to stick a knife in John Robinson's professional grave. He goes on the Raw Room podcast with our uh, former uh, uh, Titans uh, friend, Darren Bates, who's now doing the Raw Room podcast with a couple of his co-hosts. And he says of this, 
of the deal that led him to Philadelphia. He get on the phone, he, he give me the numbers. He like, bro, what you want to do? And I was like, bro, you know, I want to be in Tennessee. You know what I'm saying? And he was like, AJ, like Tennessee not moving. Like they not even budging. Like, like you told me to do a job. Like I did the job. It's in front of you. Like you'd be a fool not to take this. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, shit, let's do it. Yeah. So immediately get out of the phone, crying my eyes. Man. I'm crying my yeah, eyes. Yeah, that's what I just talked about. It's two different feelings. <laughs> I'm crying my eyes yeah. out, bro, because I'm like, I'm hurt. Yeah. I'm hurt. And then it's just a part of like, what I just accomplished ain't even like set in. Yeah. So I'm 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 more hurt than anything. All right. Now, Teresa, you and I were a part of a conversation after that trade was done. Um, trying to fill us in on more details that the uh that people felt were misconstrued. The more that it continues to go this way, the more that it does feel like the Titans really mismanaged this situation, resulting in their best player, their best, their most important offensive player, even with Derrick Henry on the roster, going to Philadelphia and playing for a Super Bowl this year. Well, and that's the thing. This, the truth is always in the middle. And while that was called the Raw Room podcast, it could also be called the Spin Room. Uh, That's part AJ putting his take on the story. I mean, AJ likes to be seen as a good guy. And, you know, Tennessee not coming off the number. I mean, uh, you know, Mike Vrabel made it very clear that as long as he was coach, right? We all remember that video that, you know, as long as he was head coach, AJ was going to be on the roster. Uh, and you know, we, we've talked to people who said that communications were cut off, you know, so how much did the agent do his job and maybe not share everything with AJ? That's part of the unknown. Uh, and you know, that's the person that we haven't heard from in all of this, uh, from the two different camps. The one who was most associated with negotiating between the two sides, probably the most important party in this story. The guy who helped reset the entire wide receiver market last year for the NFL. And he he helped do that with not just A.J. Brown. So I'm going to say the truth probably lies somewhere in the middle of the Titans were, you know, willing to negotiate. And but, you know, A.J.'s agent had a job to do, which was to get him the most money possible. And that was coming from Philadelphia. And, and, and you can't dismiss the fact that Jalen Hurts is the guy who hosted A.J. Brown on his visit to Alabama uh, when he was looking for colleges. And, you know, the fact that, you know, he, he said later in that podcast that, you know, Jalen, he talked with Jalen and Jalen went to Howie Roseman to, to see about getting him to Philly. So, you know, there were a lot of pieces in play here and a lot of people who had agendas trying to pull something off here. And, you know, the, the Titans, you know, I, I, I will say this. I, I think that that will be a lesson that the Titans make sure that they learn moving forward is when you have a, a, your best player, you don't let him go. Jefferson, no shit. <laughs> Big Jeff, you're up. All right. That's going to do it for us on this week's episode of the 615 Sessions podcast. At Teresa M. Walker is where you follow her. You read her at the Associated Press. Uh, T, I appreciate you on short notice and a busy day going through the roster cuts with me. And uh, hopefully, are you going to the Combine? 
no, I am not going to the combine. I'm actually going to take a break and go skiing next week in Telluride. So, yes, I'm going to go where the rich folk hang out. Excellent. Well, I'm going to uh, Breckenridge the week after the combine, but I don't work as hard as Teresa Walker, so I don't need a break as bad. Just yet. T, I will uh, I will see you then next, probably in the draft room when we're all crowded together for three days on a weekend and, you know, waiting for hopefully what is a, a less exciting draft weekend than it was this time last year. It, I'll say this. It was the most amazing first round that I have been a part of covering this team. And that includes them taking Marcus Mariota at two, Vince Young at number three. And yeah, so hopefully not nearly as excitable. So you have fun and bring